Hello there. 2020 really is the year that just keeps on giving, eh? In a crazy year, at least the football has given City fans something to smile about, at least temporarily. The resemblance of a defence, three clean sheets in succession, three conceded in eight. Progress. Problem is, and it's not really a problem, is that when City tick along nicely, there's actually less to talk about, and long may that continue. So instead I thought I would discuss some random other stuff that's been on my mind. Firstly, notice more discussion about weak penalty awards at the weekend. The same as any weekend, to be honest, as they are part of everyday life now. And it got me thinking. You see, for me, the problem with penalties is this, in my humble opinion, which is worth nothing, obviously, as the game has become more and more sanitised, and for the record, I'm not against some sanitation, as players used to get away with metaphorical murder. A penalty, though, has become too big a reward for the offences that often caused one to be given. In the old days, a penalty really was earned, and it should be, as it gives around an 80% chance of a goal. And even if it's not scored nowadays, there's always the chance of a retake for encroachment or a keeper inching 5 centimetres off his line. Nowadays, a player can feel an opposition boot graze his shin pad and throw himself to the ground, after leaping in the air as if gunned down in a Hollywood movie, and that near guarantees a goal. This warps the fairness of how to win games, and it could be the most innocuous coming together or flick off the arm right on the line in an area that is not immediately dangerous for the defending side. I mean, why is a penalty area the size it is anyway? Well, I guess because someone decided it 100 years ago and more. But why should a penalty be given for supposed offences in just this box? I don't have the solution to this, but the punishment nowadays often does not fit the crime. So as the game becomes more and more sanitised, as the media and commentators on the game all took it as read that feeling contact in the box was a perfectly acceptable reason to throw yourself to the ground, then naturally attacking players are going to do everything they can to win those penalties. It's far easier to score by trying to win a penalty in many situations on the pitch than by scoring normally in open play. And we all just blindly and meekly accepted the right of attackers to feel contact to consider that a foul. Contact does not or should not automatically mean a foul. But that is where we are, half sports, half amateur dramatics, utterly alien to the sport I grew up watching, and an utter embarrassment to be honest. And I don't even blame the players, they will adapt to the rules or laws as they stand. Oh, for your information, laws are just a system of rules, so don't get in too much of a tiz if someone says rules instead of laws. There's worse things to get annoyed about. Anyway, players are just doing their job, and they have always gone out on the pitch trying to deceive or influence match officials. Why wouldn't they? Claiming for throwing their nose isn't theirs, chatting their way to the referee for 90 minutes, asking for red cards, getting in his head, feigning injury, wasting time and more. I wish we could return the game to a greater level of fairness. Simulation is now so rampant I have no doubt players practice it. Andy Morrison had it right on Twitter the other night. This could never happen of course and by agreeing to it puts me firmly in the grumpy old man camp where to be honest I've been positioned for many years now, perhaps decades. But if coverage shows a player faking an injury in that there was no contact so we know for sure that it was fake, a ban should ensue with retrospective action. No chance of that of course, most of the game seem to accept play acting as part of the performance. Another bizarre development is the seeming need for referees to dole out yellow cards for any handball penalty offence. Why on earth is an accidental handball or caution automatically, even if we accept the law changes say it should be a penalty? And that leads me on to another area of the game that I think has not moved on with the times, namely cautions. Again, I am urinating into the wind by even suggesting such changes, as they will never occur, but I think the card system is hugely flawed. It's far too easy to get sent off nowadays for two rather innocuous incidents, 
Though of course inconsistency can also see players get away with murder, especially when referees are often keen to turn a blind eye to what is normally a cautionable offence if the player has already been booked. For a perfect example, see Gabriella Old Trafford last weekend. Not that I was complaining. But yellow cards are used for far too wide a range of offences, and that's why I think something better could be used as other sports do. I mean, you could have green cards and three types of cards, but I was thinking more of sin bins. They would for me deal with the offences that are not quite a card, but perhaps deserve some sort of punishment, and their key use for me could be for dissent. Virtually all referees are loath to dish out a yellow card for verbal abuse or any player getting in their face. They should, but they don't. But a sin bin would be a good middle ground, and for me would soon cut out dissent. Of course, this will never happen, like all my ideas, as many in the game seem getting in the referee's face as just part of the game. A sad state of affairs when you consider that children mimic what their footballing heroes do. I don't expect footballers to be role models off the pitch, but they could certainly do better on it. Anyway, let's move on from my dream world. Yeah, this is a City podcast, but after what I witnessed last night, I have to talk about United today. After seeing that first goal, it's hard to avoid. I saw people describe the first goal as something from school football, but that's frankly quite offensive to school football. I've never seen a supposedly top side abandon any pretense of defending organisational structure on that scale. It got me thinking again about the staggering missteps United have taken since Alex Ferguson retired. You sometimes take for granted the club's ability to take the wrong path season after season. Now as any long-time City fans will know, I thought City had mastered such incompetence towards the end of the 20th century, but United seemed to have outdone even that. It's only their enormous wealth, the fact they are a cash cow whatever happens on the pitch, that has avoided a bigger spiral. Getting in David Moyes was just the beginning. The key mistake that dominated their decisions was the refusal to accept that the club was no longer the top dog, that it could not just quickly fix any problems with money, buy any player and muscle their way back to the top. United's aura has gone in the past seven years. The system will not save them when required. They need planning, a philosophy, structure, vision and more, like other clubs have got, that have made it to the top, that have been successful. This seems to have been a surprise to those that run the club, and still is seemingly. They still think that money will solve everything. The club is rancid from top to bottom, and every time I think they have turned a corner, they reverse back round it again. It is quite astonishing. With their wealth... A city has shown, and planning, there are a few excuses for where they find themselves, but they just do not learn. There are still many at the club, and perhaps some fans too, that see the club as having a divine right to success, that the name itself, its pull, and the wearing of the shirts is enough to propel them above rivals. It's romantic nonsense, just like their desperate references to DNA. Such romantic nonsense was what led to Ole being at the wheel for two years and counting. Ah yes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. His tenure at the club has been the ultimate masterclass on how not to run a football club. Solskjaer is the perfect gift for those that wish to see United fail. Like everyone listening to this, no doubt. The true beauty of this man is that he is a completely inadequate manager for where United aspire or even expect to be. Yet he manages to pull out enough big one-off victories to remain in post, meaning United continue to tread water whilst far superior managers are available, possibly waiting for the call. But it won't be waiting forever, of course. This is the perfect situation for all rival fans, as it keeps them in the worst possible position and wastes yet more time as rivals improve and pull away. As already said, United will never fall out of the division altogether, or even come close, so this is the perfect balance instead. Poor enough not to challenge for major trophies, but not so bad that the club actually do something sensible about it for once. 
Even how he got the job is a telling tale in incompetence. On a temporary contract until season end, he was given the permanent role earlier than was necessary after a honeymoon period and a short run of good form, after which form fell off a cliff as the team regressed to the mean under his tutelage. Now he is there, laden down with a mantra that they stand by managers, it has simply seen them lose more and more ground. Many of Ole's cheerleaders in the press continue to trumpet the need to back Ole and get him the players he needs. Apparently the previous £250 million of players was not sufficient. All the ex-players are rolled out, especially Gary Neville, to demand more money is spent to correct the problems. It's Groundhog Day. No, it's Groundhog Year, spun out over seven years and counting. As Steve Tudor rightly said on Twitter, when Solskjaer wins, he gets the praise. When he loses, the blame is lumped on the players and Ed Woodward, and the Glazers, obviously, who despite leeching billions out of the club have never restricted spending on players. As I said, the club is a cash cow. But this is great as it simply makes the prospect of him staying in post more likely. If everyone's slagging him off all the time, including ex-players, all the media, and putting the blame solely on him, Ed Woodward would feel compelled by now to have acted and swung the axe. It's weird that support for a rival manager does not infuriate me. It is, in fact, music to my ears. And it puts the City fans in the awkward position of wanting United to win certain football matches. This goes against our entire sense of right and wrong. Even when United winning is in City's interests, it's hard to just alter your beliefs for one day only. It's like changing your religion because you fancy a bacon butty. But needs must. We need to see the wider picture. Stories have emerged today that United have approached Maurizio Pochettino. Our worst nightmares might be about to come true. United might be about to make a sensible decision. But to be honest, I don't think they will. Anyway, we must do everything in our powers to stop this happening just in case it might just happen. Answering all those surveys showing your support for Ole, that little act could make all the difference. But that day will come, United do have lots of good players, they have spent over half a billion on them, they can't be that bad. One day they will appoint a manager to make the most of what they have. To be honest, we've had a good run, I can't believe it lasted this long. A stopped clock is right twice a day, and eventually, with the wealth they have, United are going to be really good again. And bizarrely, this is harder to take than it used to be. In the old days, I had to accept that they would win the bigger trophies. It was just what my life was. Year after year after year, decade after decade, I supported the underdog, and part of that was an acceptance that the team across the city, well, just over the border, was better, much better, and didn't operate in the same sphere as my team. And they still don't, just for very different reasons. Of course, there was no social media then, so I could avoid it most of the time, their constant superiority. I wasn't mocked as a City fan a lot of the time, merely pitted. But now the thought of United being top dogs is much harder to take, as I have become accustomed to their incompetence, their averageness. Us Blues have developed a small level of arrogance and expectation by being better than United for what is now seven years and counting. Since Alex Ferguson retired, United have not finished above City in the league after all. I'm used to their incompetence, I enjoy it, and seeing them be good again would be hard to take. Seeing Liverpool rise to the top was tough enough, unbearable in fact, to have two other rival fan bases lauding it would be the pits. So for every week that Ole is at the wheel, be thankful. 2020 might have been the crappest of years, but it has given us this, and the odd derby defeat or two doesn't change that fact. Anyway, that's almost it for this mini-pod, but final word on the world we find ourselves in right now, because it's tough, isn't it? The first lockdown almost felt like a novelty for a month or so, despite the seriousness of it all. Well, that novelty soon wore off. At least then the weather was glorious week after week, even in the north of England. 
Now it's terrible, wet, cold and the nights have drawn in. There's little to be cheerful about. So if you're really struggling during these difficult times, reach out. The 9320 pod will once more only be too happy to offer free subscriptions to those that are struggling right now. A friendly voice talking rubbish about football, or a few of us, and other things, is not a big help, but the small things can help too. Do not be ashamed, embarrassed or reluctant to get in touch via our DM if you're in need of help or just need a chat. Us Blues are a family, and families stick together and look out for each other. This will be over at some point, and then we can all make up for lost time. But until then, keep the faith. Find the good and the humour where you can. Help out those less fortunate than yourselves. Check in with your friends and let's see this through together. Because it could be worse. We could be United fans. And the 25-year-old me never thought he would find himself saying that. Until next time, goodbye.